Ethos. You ever thought about starting your own creative outlet, maybe a podcast? I did for years before actually pulling the trigger last year. What about a book? A lot of people think that if they could, they would, but maybe it's not the right time. They've got their job and kids and all these obligations. They've got a book in them if only they had the time. Well, my guest today, Luke Lefevre, is actually doing it. He's writing a book. Welcome to The Next Simple Step. I'm Paul Goldsmith. So, Luke, you had a really good job. You were the chief creative officer with the Ramsey Company, uh-huh. worked for them for 14 years, yeah. and then you just left <laughs> to write a book. You haven't even written the book yet. You're writing it now. What's up with that? What was your motivation? Yeah, sure. Honestly, uh, I left to write the book, but the book has been writing itself for uh, a long time. Um, so, I had the inspiration, I guess, probably three years ago, but really I'm a creative. And since I was a little kid, that's, that's the things I like to dig into is how were you when you were a little kid and what were you drawn to? What are the things you can't help but do? And so my time with Ramsey, I would uh, ask people those questions. And if I think about myself as a little kid, I loved making movies, um, writing stories. I even tried to write a novel in high school and things like that. And then most of my career came up through the design side of things and uh, got the uh, to work at Ramsey these last 14 years. And about five years ago, I just started to have this, this pull is what I call it to, um, to write some kind of book. Yes. Uh, okay. And maybe it's just the book is a, uh, the way to, to solidify an idea. Really. That's what books often do is they just make you put the idea down on paper. But if I think about it, I've been being pulled for, for my whole life towards, towards making and creating, but Five years ago, I was reading an Exodus. So I don't, I don't know if the listeners are believers or not, but I am. And the, um, uh, the Bible is, is an amazing book. And this book of Exodus is actually a pretty boring book. A lot of it, it's like got a lot of details and things like that. It's not one that people <laughs> often quote when they quote their favorite <laughs> yes. Bible verse. I was reading Exodus 31. And there's this passage about Moses is at the top of the mountain. And it's not the Ten Commandments mountain. It's the top of the mountain where he's getting all these instructions for um, the tent of meeting and the tabernacle, which are places that God has chosen to dwell among the people. So he's giving these instructions to Moses. Moses comes down off the mountain, has all these instructions, and he gives them to this guy named Bezalel. If you go back, people have read these verses a hundred times, but the guy Bezalel, they're always like, oh, I haven't heard of this guy. When the Bible I was reading five years ago, uh, it said the first person the Bible mentions as being filled with the Spirit is this guy named Bezalel because it says he was filled with the Spirit to make many things. He was filled with the Spirit to do this stuff. And he was an artist. Mm-hmm. He was a creative. And I just remember reading that like five years ago and thinking, how come nobody's talking about this? We have this this whole Bible, this ancient book that is thousands and thousands of years old and people talk about how this, there's the Holy Spirit and how he fills you with, with power to do the things you want to do. The first person who's mentioned as being filled with the divine spirit is a creative. Wow. Why aren't we talking about this? And so I started looking around and like, is there books about this? Like, who's talking about this? And there really wasn't that many books about it. And so I, yeah, I was at Ramsey and I led the creative team. And we had, uh, we have about 150 people on that creative team. There's designers and writers and project managers and video people. and 
So I started talking out loud about this, this guy, because I think it's an honor to be a creative, uh, especially the fifth word of the Bible is in the beginning, God created. And then he says, man is made in his image. Well, the only thing we know about his image at that point is that he's a creator. And so you start thinking, holy cow, we as humans are meant to be creative. We're supposed to make stuff. And as I started talking about that with the creative team, it just really resonated. And then I started talking about it with more people. And when I think of creatives, I don't just think of painters or or writers or designers. I think you are creative. I think everyone is creative. It doesn't mean you're a painter or writer, but you might be an amazing mom who has these ideas that come out about how to lead your kids, or you wanted to start a family and God has put that pull on your life. And so I started talking about this 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 guy named Bezalel, and then I started talking about this pull we have on our lives. And I had this pull and it's, it sometimes has led me to destructive things because I'm trying to satisfy it. But ultimately, I think this pull that's inside of us is put there by our creator because he wants to make things with us, whatever it might be. It might be to start a family or adopt a kid or start a business or paint or write. And just over this last four or five years, I started talking about that. And I started talking about a lot of leadership things at Ramsey. And I just had a great experience there. But this pull I had inside of me just slowly kept getting bigger and bigger. Started off as a little grape seed inside of my gut and then turned into a golf ball. And then it turns into a melon and then a um, a watermelon that I just had to get out. I love it. And I agree with you. I think we're all born creative, but capitalism is a fairly new concept in human history. And I think it gets kind of pushed out of us where we got to get more practical things where you have to go find to do things to make money. And typically, at least in our Western society, the arts are kind of frowned upon many times. It's like you're a starving artist if you try to do something creative, quote unquote. But I like that you're broadening the definition to you've been given unique gifts and perspectives to put your fingerprints on the world However, that may look, and it's going to be different for everyone. So that's, first of all, wonderful way of looking at that. Uh, And then second, I think about the fact that there's a lot of people that would have these ideas and, you know, they might um, write about it on a blog or a Facebook, but you up and quit your job. (laughs) And so you're obviously committed to this idea. So what's the book called? And let's talk about the process. Like, where are you in that process? I'm either going to call it Holy Work. Because I think when you follow this path, it's not just a path to doing work. It's a path to doing holy work, which is sacred work. It's something something that uh, is divine. Either that or I'm going to call it the pull because it starts with the pull. And the subtitle will be something like the hodgepodge creative process of finding and pursuing your holy work. So what that means is I think all of us have a pull. The process that you go through is it starts with a pull. Okay, I think maybe I should, I'm feeling uh, maybe I should homeschool or I'd like to start a family. You have these little things that happen or, boy, I'd like to share more on social media or some little pull. Well, immediately, the next part of this process is what I call the war. (laughs) You will hit resistance. Oh, I don't know how to. Do the microphones if I want to start a podcast. I'm not good at computers. I'm immediately, if you are putting something good out into the world, you will hit the war. And that's the resistance. Stephen Pressfield writes a lot about this in The War of Art. You have the pull, you then hit the war. The next part is 
you got to start believing in it then. So you have the pull, you fight through the war, then there is the the belief and the proof that God put this thing there. Hmm. If you can believe that, then you can fight through the war continually. The next part is the practices. So there are lots of things in your life that can get in the way of you following this thing. So are you doing daily activities to seek God, I think, in your life and also to get some quiet in your life? Oftentimes, we're just going so fast and we never slow down to actually think. And one of the things that came up as I worked at Ramsey and we talked to all these thought leaders in the world, the thought just came to my my mind that was, if we're supposed to be thought leaders and we're supposed to be creatives, how can we be thought leaders if we never slow down and give ourselves any time to think? That just is an impossible equation. If you're not slowing down, giving yourself actual time to write and work on things, it's not going to work. So following along there, you have the pull, you hit the war, you then hit the belief uh, that you can do it, and then you hit the practices. You have to be, continue doing these practices. And okay, you make it through that, you get the glorious struggle time of the wilderness. <laughs> and the wilderness is next. And the wilderness could last five minutes. Say you have a pull to, oh, I should, I should really look the waitress in the eye and ask her how her day is going. That's a pull. Well, immediately you're going to be, oh, she's going to, she'll hit the war. And you'll think, oh, she's going to think I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, but do I believe this was God? Like, okay, no, I'm going to do it. And then you actually do it. And you work through that process really quickly. Although the other side of it is the wilderness sometimes could take 10 years, 20 years. It could take your whole life. Because this is where you're doing the work. The wilderness is the work. So say you want to start a podcast or you want to start a family or you want to write a book or you want to do any number of these things. That's where you just got to show up every day and do it. If you want to start a family, you got to start having the conversations with your husband. If you want to adopt, you got to reach out, send some emails. You have to do the work. There's a quote I heard, I'm blanking on who said it, but he said, the only difference between a culture and a wilderness is work. Hmm. So you're in the wilderness, it's just jungle. It's just trees and bushes and everything else until you get your machete out and you just start slicing and making trails. You start making paths. Eventually those paths turn into trails. Eventually those trails turn into roads. Those roads become streets with buildings around them. And you eventually get a culture. You just got to show up and do the work. And then lastly, the last part of this path is what I call the permission. It's where you get unlocked and you've made the really hard calls in the wilderness to get to this point. So it's the pull. It's the war. It's the belief. It's the practices. It's the wilderness. And then it's the permission. And there's a little caveat in there. You ask why I left the job to go pursue this. There's a caveat in there between the wilderness and the permission. And there is some kind of wall. There is some kind of thing you will, you'll have to overcome. You'll have to make a risk. You'll have to take a chance on this thing. I left the job not as a spur of the moment thing, but because I felt like over this last year and a half, I had started to be pulled really strongly towards talking about this and working with people through it. I just loved that part of my job at Ramsey. I loved uh, working through this. And my pull was pulling me towards this. I had to follow. And I think it's part of who God made me to be and what he wants to create with me. And so really hard steps, take risk. And that's what I did. I'm risking it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, 
lots of people maybe say, well, I have too many polls. Which one yeah. do I choose? How do I get validation? I'm following the right one. Sure. Which ones are worth going yeah. through all of those steps of the war yeah. and the wilderness? Yeah. That, that doesn't sound like fun, uh-huh. actually. It doesn't. It's not uh, fun all the you time. You know, I'm just kind of fine being me. Yeah. <laughs> and I got enough going on. I don't need a war. So mm-hmm. how do you define which polls you're going to follow? And how yeah. do you get the validation that you're following the right one? If you don't want the war, if you if you don't feel that resistance, you're probably just coasting. Like if you are, no, I, I don't want to feel that war. I don't want to do that. Well, then this probably isn't for you. What I'm talking about is something more than just showing up, clocking in and clocking out. What I'm talking about is something holy, something sacred that has the potential to impact the world, to help other people. And once you start doing that kind of thing, you will hit the war. Like there will be. And if you don't want to do that, you shouldn't. Like that's that's part of the part of the gig here. I think any anything that makes the world a better place, uh, Pressfield says, any, uh, it might be good endeavor will be hit with resistance, whether it's a workout regimen, whether it's, uh, writing a book, connecting more with your kids, your spouse, anything that makes your world or the world a better place will get hit with resistance. So if you want to do that, it's inevitable that you'll hit the war. Okay. So question, there's a book I'm reading right now yeah. called Endure, uh, Cameron Haynes. And, uh, he's like good friends with Joe Rogan and he, he, uh, is this uh, bow hunter. And I have no interest in bow hunting, but I'm fascinated by these characters, people that, you know, endure. He goes through uh, some, a lot of physical pain, a lot of resistance, if you will, to follow this pull. Yeah. However, uh, I just hit the part of the book where he mentioned like he committed fully uh, to this endeavor to which he didn't take family vacations and all his weekends, he's going out, leaving his wife and kids and doing this every weekend after work. And, you know, not taking family vacations. And it seems like, well, hey, I don't, there's a lot of hobbies, a lot of things I love to do, but I'm not kind of willing to give up my family (laughs) to do that. Now, I'm not trying to judge uh, Cameron, but I'm thinking, you know, where's the happy medium here? Because it does seem like if you want to be the best in the world at something, there are sacrifices, right? And uh, me personally, not willing to sacrifice my family, but like, yeah, how do you follow the pull, go through the resistance, all of that, um, and still have balance in your life, not like forsake all of your friends and family and, uh, you know, just blow your whole life up in pursuit of this pull? I love this question. (laughs) A simple way to put it is what do you want? And the guy you're talking about, what he wants, I, I don't to be the best bow hunter in the world. That's it. That is what he wants. And he's got it. And he's he's going to get it. Right. He wants that more than he wants time on the weekends with his family. Yeah. He's admitted that. He's willing to suffer for that. That's not something you're willing to do because that's not what you want. Right. I don't want that either. I want to be able to slow down. I want to be able to have those practices where I have an hour in the morning of quiet and writing and seeking and listening. So the question is, there's, there's not a right or wrong answer mm-hmm. there. He knows what he wants and he's doing that. And we'll take the consequences if his family breaks down or whatever, but he knows what he wants. Oftentimes people don't know what they want mm-hmm. and they just do the next thing because that's where they're floating towards. And then they look up and they have this unsettled feeling like, hey, this isn't what it was supposed to be. This isn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. But they haven't actually defined what they want. 
And once you start asking people those questions to figure out where they're being pulled and you go back and you look at their childhood and you and you ask them questions about how they grew up, they will say things, well, I don't really know what I want. And I'll ask, well, tell me how you were as a kid and how you were like this and what that is like and what this is like. And we will find a thread. It happened the other day when I was talking to someone. And, you know, you start talking through that and you sort of break down a couple walls and you get to it and they, they'll eventually sit forward and they're like, you know what I want to do? You know, you know what I actually want to do? And I haven't really told anybody this. They'll go, I haven't told anybody this. I, I want to go on more missions trips and I wish I had more time with my family and I wish this, that and the other. And they start saying all this stuff that seems incongruent with their current life. Well, at least they said it out loud. They, they know what they want. Other people will get there and say, I want to be the best in the world at bow hunting. Uh-huh. Great. What are you, you going to do there? to take it there? Right. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's your pull. Yeah. And if, uh, like I said, I'm a believer. Like if that's me, I believe God put those things in me to help make the world a better place, make it more like what he wants it to be. And so there, there isn't a right or wrong answer. It just comes down to what it is you want and what you are being pulled towards. So some people might want balance. Some people might want to go a thousand miles an hour all the time and never stop. Right or wrong, that's what they want. And that is what they're being pulled towards. And they might need to make some adjustments if it's destroying their lives. And the other, the other thing here, it's a, the, the other caveat is sometimes we are pulled towards immoral things. And you have to be careful there. Not every pull is is right, and that's where you have to filter it through. In my case, what does the scripture say? Is what is the reality there? That oh, this is just me being selfish or things like does that. Does it violate so, your morality? Exactly. Right? Yeah, does you it violate your it. morality? For sure. Yeah. Good question. There is an amazing documentary that I, if you haven't watched, mm-hmm. you, uh, you're going to love because okay. it validates everything you're saying. Uh, it's called Seven Up, uh, oh, no. and it's on. British broadcasting, you can get it through Amazon, but the series starts uh, in the 1960s and it's the best documentary of all time. (laughs) I just have to say, because it's amazing. (laughs) I don't know anything else like this. Uh, They follow these seven-year-old kids and it starts with the narrator saying, you know, give me a boy till he's seven and I'll give you the man. And now these uh, men and women are in their 60s and they follow them every seven years. Wow. Uh, and I think the last one was shot in uh, 2019, and uh, they're 63. And so uh, now, of course, they've got a perspective, and they're shooting in a certain way. They're asking the questions in a certain way. But they are saying in their 50s and their 60s what they said they when they were seven. Yeah. And it definitely validates one of the guys uh, really loved horses and wanted to be a jockey. He flamed out in his teens. And then is always long to get back there. And, did he get back uh, there? He, he did not. So uh, that's yes. the other thing is you yeah. have these you have these uh, these pulls as children, because that's where I believe God put this in you before you were born. Mm-hmm. Then some of the resistance is there is an enemy out there who does not want these things to happen, and sometimes that resistance comes through bullies at school mm-hmm. or abusive parents or whatever the negative thing is that that comes against this and it detracts you from the pull. I would say one of the biggest things is we are in a consumeristic culture. It just is. And uh, we are being sold things. And so unless somebody can make money off of that pull, you know, they're not interested in it. They're interested in selling you whatever it is they're selling you. And so the second best documentary, I, I love documentary, yeah. but The Social Dilemma kind of spells that out quite neatly. 
and points out, you know, the the social media companies only make money when people use the apps. And so they have programmed the algorithm to maximize your attention, not to make you a better person or to help you follow your calling or your poll, but to suck you in. And they don't care if it's your worst instincts or, you know, graphic, whatever. Uh, they're just using it to get your attention. So when they get accused of being political, I don't. I think they're apolitical. I think they just want to get as many people they don't care. on there for as long <laughs> as possible. And the, the most powerful one right now is TikTok. They have hacked every human being's brain. Uh, and I think you know they've got half the planet on it, uh, several billion people. And so it's just you know kind of it's crack, right? You yeah. scroll and it goes directly to that circuit in your brain that fires off all the pleasure uh, synapses and it knows how long you you stayed before you scrolled. So it knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah. And so it's like, how on earth am I supposed to find this poll that I've had from birth when I've been sold all these other influences? They're called influencers, right? And they're influencing you to buy these clothes or this food or this workout regimen, whatever it is. Um, they're going to try to sell you something. And so how do you like go back to what was the pull to begin with or what have I been you know, taught by culture that I should want, but I don't actually want to do. Yeah. And, and now I'm so far down the line, I don't even know what I want. So that's, that's where the practices come in. And for me, this last 12 years, journaling has been an incredible process for me. It started off with uh, me just in a desperate time. My wife and I were going through a really hard time. And I just started writing just what I actually was thinking, not what I felt like I was supposed to think, not what my parents would be happy with or whoever these things. I just started writing unfiltered. Uh, I see you've got the artist way over there, yep. the, the morning pages. Yes. Um, I just started doing that before I even knew about the morning pages. It was just about writing and getting through like this epidermis level garbage that clogs your brain. And once you start actually setting aside time to unplug out of the matrix, <laughs> you will start to see things differently. And then go to coaches, go to conferences, things that get you out of the normal scrolling haze, the sleepwalking. Everybody is sleepwalking. That, that's a harsh to say, not everybody. But a lot of people are sleepwalking and they don't recognize the pulls. And that is the enemy. That's the resistance goal. It's not to it's not to be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. No, it is to wound. It's not to wound. It's to kill. Like it wants to destroy your unique and amazing contribution to the world. Mm -hmm. And things like TikTok aren't inherently bad, but it's a drug. Mm -hmm. And you can get addicted to this drug and it will destroy your unique purpose, your unique pull that you have to fight for, for sure. Yeah. Well, the way I think about it is I have to parent myself yeah. because I don't just give my kids unfettered access to TikTok or right. any other app because I know that that's not maybe the best for their brain. <laughs> that's still developing. Uh, well, it's not the best for me either. Yeah. And so I, I sort of have to realize that there's nobody parenting me if, I, you know, if I'm not mm -hmm. uh, figuring this out for myself. And... You say sleepwalking. I, I think another way that I think about it is just getting off the treadmill, right? You yeah. just kind of – you get pushed through life and you'll always kind of get to the things that you really want to do later uh, after you get married, after you have kids, after you save up enough money, after whatever the case may be, when you get retired. And then you know 
hear these interviews from people uh, in retirement homes or at the end of their life, kind of, you know, wishing they would have done those things, um, not, you know, put in more hours at a, a job that wasn't fulfilling or all of these things that we spend our time doing. And uh, that's why I loved the book Atomic Habits so much. It was like, I forget the percentage, but it's very high percentage of our daily activities are just habitual. And uh, we don't even know why we're doing it. We just, that's what we always do. Uh, whether it's getting your morning coffee, they're not bad things. They're just automatic things. Yeah. And so how do you take a minute of the practice of thinking about your thinking? Like, how do I actually want to live and be in the world? And what do I actually want to accomplish this year, this month, today? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what practices do I need to put in place to program my life? You know, the best examples often quoted, Steve Jobs wore the same shirt every day. Uh, brilliant guy. He could afford anything <laughs> clothes wise, uh, but he didn't, he didn't want to, he had to make other uh, important decisions to, to build Apple computer. So he, he didn't want to waste his decision buying power, if you yeah, will, because yeah. uh, we only have so much limited capacity, uh, capacity every single day. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's really, I, I love that. So what are some other practices? Uh, I definitely am a big believer in the morning pages, kind of kind of getting through that first layer of here's the things I'm supposed to be thinking and here's all of the busy work I got to get done today and the people I got to email back and all that stuff. Not necessarily good or bad stuff that's on my mind to get to that deeper underlying layer of like, what do I really want to accomplish with my life? Yeah. <laughs> what are some other practices that you use? Yeah, one is uh, silence. So um, it sounds kind of funny or just feel like, oh, I'm going to go sit and quiet in a room. Uh, that's, that's one way to do it. But I don't, I think people don't just take five minutes and just be quiet. Like even here, we're talking so fast and we're, we're like, you know, keeping it going. But if you just take a second, sit back and take a deep breath. And stop looking at your phone, take the headphones off, not have the radio on in the car, and just be quiet. Your brain can stop filtering things that are coming in and actually start thinking about what it is you want to do. I think what I say to my kids all the time is our brain does what we tell it. Our brain is not a muscle scientifically, but I think it acts like one. If you go to the gym, and you and me work out together quite uh -huh. a bit. But if you go to the gym and you work out, your muscles get stronger. I think your brain is like that. Your brain does what you tell it to. If you tell your brain that we look at TikTok all the time, your brain is like, oh, I want more TikTok. If you tell your brain we go get a drink at the end of every day when we get home, your brain's like, me want more drink. You know, yeah. uh, your brain does what but you it's tell automatic. it to. You're not consciously thinking about exactly. That. So, so you have to control you, it. Right. And so you have to kind of uh, take a step out. Somebody put it to me this way. You get on the ledge and you're looking down on your life mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, what about my life? Do I want to optimize? What do I, you know, what relationships are important to me? Yeah. I ought to stay in touch with those people. What behaviors help me be the person I want to be and what are not helping me be the person I want to yeah. be? What can I replace those behaviors with yeah. that are going to uh, be consistent with yeah. who I want to become? Easier said than done all sure. this stuff. But I have found that, uh, as in, mentioned in the Atomic Habit book, of habit stacking. Mm -hmm. If I already have a habit of you know, getting morning coffee, 
then can I stack another habit on top of that with uh, maybe I sit in silence for five minutes with my coffee. Yeah. And, and it's like, it just becomes automatic. And it sounds funny. And you'll be like, I'm just going to sit there and be quiet. It sounds so funny, but it's like, just practice for a minute. Just, just sit there, look out the window, take some deep breaths for a minute even. And if you do that and you stack it, like you're saying over and over again for a month, years, eventually that one minute that at the beginning feels like eternity will be 20 minutes that feel like five seconds mm -hmm. and your brain will have time to catch up. There was a, uh, there's a story I heard one time about these um, Western hemisphere uh, mountain climbers that went, I think it was to Everest to, to climb this thing. And they have the Sherpas there, you know, and the uh, Western folks were just climbing and going and going and going. And they covered all this ground with the Sherpas. And all of a sudden the Sherpas just stopped and just sat down. And the, the Western folks were like, well, let's go, let's go. We're going to do it. And the Sherpas didn't answer. And they were just like, no, we're, we're just going to sit here. And they had just gone through so much over the course of this day that the Sherpas responded and they were like, we need to give our souls time to catch up. Hmm. And it's like, we go so stinking fast and there's so much coming at us all the time that sometimes we need our souls to catch up. Yes. I was just in England mm. and there's an old tradition uh, of the English that uh, they have afternoon tea. Yeah. And as an American, I'm just like, what are we doing? We got to, you know, go. We can't stop to have tea. What are, come on. That's go, good. Go, go. I said Western because yeah. I didn't want to only blame Americans. Uh -huh. So it sounds like England's got a little better than we yeah. do. Yeah. Well, and I experienced, I uh, visited Israel a few years ago. The same kind of thing mm. is they have uh, some afternoon tea as well. Americans have three o'clock coffee to get yourself zoomed up again. Well, that's it, right? It, but we don't stop to enjoy it. No, we don't. Um, it's just a caffeine mm. injection so yeah. we can produce more. Um, man, this is awesome. I could talk to you for hours, but, um, I know you've begun, you're, you're, you're bringing people along for your process, yeah. which I think is fascinating. So when the book does come out, I want to have you back okay. and, uh, and talk about, you know, the end process yeah. because you're in process right now, but you're bringing people along by writing these emails. Mm -hmm. Uh, where can uh, somebody sign up if they're yeah, sure. following along on your journey? Uh, you can go to holywork.com and these emails are less, uh, chapters of the book and more more experiential writings to cause you to slow down hmm. to cause you to be like oh, okay and they're not super long emails some are stories some are not but most are hey take a second slow down take a breath it's it's stories like that and so but i will uh continue the book process on if you go to holywork.com you can sign up for these these emails and it will bring you along like that um I'm working on, yeah, the book proposal right now. I have a lot of it written because I've been working on this and talking to people about it for a few years, but now I'm refining it into uh, more of what I want it to be because I, I loved working at Ramsey. I was all in there and uh, I didn't, I didn't work a ton of it about on it mm -hmm. on the side, but I was feeling pulled. And so now I've got the capacity to do it. And so that's what we're going to do. That's incredible. And do you have a sense that uh, I don't get the sense from you that like the book is the finish line. No, <laughs> that's just the no. starting line. Yeah, it's the starting and line. So, uh, do you know what's next, or you're yeah. just kind of one step at a time? Yeah, um, I'm. One of the things that I want when I say what is my pull, it is I want to write in the mornings, and then I want to have the afternoons be set aside for this kind of stuff. 
mm-hmm. and for uh, coaching things and mm-hmm. talking to people about what they're being pulled to or what their business is being pulled towards. Uh, business leaders have this problem too, where they're like, I feel like we should be X. Okay, what's the war that's going on? Mm-hmm. What is causing that to be hitched up? And let's find out what those barriers are. And uh, 20, 20 years of working through this with people and in an executive role and a chief uh, C-suite role has caused me to work with a lot of people who can work through that. So I'm, I'm uh, holding the afternoons as ready for that kind of stuff, the coaching stuff. But really the holy work, this pull one is the first of many. This will be kind of the overview book, mm-hmm. but then there is a deep dive into the practices. This will be, this first one will be not a survey of it, but it'll go pretty deep. But I want to go even deeper on what the practices are and what other people have done. Then there will be um, another book on just the wilderness Hmm. um, and the work you have to do through that period. Then the war. And then also some kids books I have in in my brain because I want them uh, to know that, no, the things you are uh, feeling right now, like the documentary you were talking about, Mm -hmm. The Seven Up. The things you love to do and the things you can't help but do right now, that's part of who you are. And you need to follow that pull before anybody else tells you it's a bad idea. Before media or whatever or, or abuse or any of these things say, um, no, horse riding is stupid. You can't make mm-hmm. any money doing that. Right. Like, listen to those things. So I got a couple children's books about the pull. And one of those goes in, like one of the stories I tell is, imagine if you are on the coast of New York City. You're, you're looking out at the bay there. And on the other side of the country is God. And he's standing at California looking at this beautiful beach. Not that New York's beach isn't beautiful. <laughs> but he's standing over there, and there is a rope connecting the both of you. You can't see him. You can't see the beach. But he's slowly just starting to nudge and pull you in this direction. And you can fight it, and you can get distracted over in Illinois as it as it pulls you. Mm-hmm. And then you got to go through this... Nebraska, you know, the plains of Nebraska, and you get stuck in different places over the course of your life without even ever knowing what the beach looks like or even being able to see him. But you just let this thing pull you. So I got a couple kids books like that. Mm -hmm. Imagine with beautiful illustrations and people being pulled through different things. That's really, uh, I I got a novel in my brain that I want to write about um, this Bezalo character and kind of go way into his background, ultimately leading up to he feels these pulls throughout his life and then realizes, oh, his unlock, his permission is he was ready for when Moses came off this mountain. Because what Moses was bringing down off the mountain was where God wanted to dwell on the earth in this tent of meeting and in this, uh, this Ark of the Covenant. And we as humans are creating space for God to dwell. He's here already, but he wants to create these things with us so that he is shown more. And I know I talked a lot about God and and uh, believers in, in this podcast, but I just think there is a divine thing that's guiding us all, whether we believe it or not. And so, yeah, I don't think you have to be a a Christian to relate to the fact that you have likes and dislikes mm-hmm. and you have inclinations. Those started early right. on. Absolutely. Yep. And there will be resistance, whether you call it the enemy or whatever, yeah. against those, because why would there be resistance against good things in the world? That, that points me back to God even more, but uh, any good thing will get, will get shoved back on. So absolutely. And so this has been such a rich conversation. 
would encourage you maybe to take a few minutes and get quiet. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, thank you for listening to the next simple step. If you have a question or comment, I'll be happy to pass it along uh, to Luke. You can text 559-574-3210. Thanks for listening to the next simple step podcast.